Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Samantha Cook. Samantha is the Chief Financial Officer at Brinkman Constructors, a $1.3 billion national general contractor company. She manages the company's financial, accounting, and technology divisions. She is responsible for aligning Brinkman's plans for future growth and setting the organization's overall financial and ESOP strategy. With a national footprint, Brinkman's offices are in St. Louis, Missouri, Denver, Colorado, Richmond, Virginia, Kansas City, and Phoenix, Arizona. Through her successful career in a male-dominated field and as an immigrant from Mexico, Samantha's passion for the construction industry has been a key differentiator among her peers. Samantha's financial and operational expertise, as well as proven experience with some of St. Louis's most respected organizations, aids Brinkman's leadership team in ensuring Brinkman takes full benefit of the challenges and opportunities associated with the significant growth the company has experienced. Samantha is experienced in driving successful financial strategies while building collaboration with key business decision makers. Samantha was named a 2019 Top Influential Women in Real Estate by the RE Journals and won the 2019 Inclusion Award from SLCCC. In 2015, she was also part of the LinkedIn marketing campaign, Opportunities, highlighted as one of the top professionals in the industry. She served on the board of directors of NAWIC and is a Crew St. Louis member. She has been a contributor to many articles, conferences, and publications. Prior to Brinkman Constructors, Samantha spent 10 years in finance and operations leadership roles at Clayco, a $4 billion company, where she most recently served as senior director of FP&A. Samantha also spent five-plus years in construction operation roles in international companies in Latin America. Samantha holds several degrees, including an MBA, a Master in Finance, a Master in Construction Management and Architecture, and Executive Leadership Program degrees from both Cornell University and Harvard University. Outside of work, Samantha loves to travel with her husband, Nathan, and her 20-month-old son, Landon. She is a triathlete and endurance cyclist. Sam, thank you very much for joining me on today's episode. Thank you. No, thank you. It's my pleasure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to learning about you and your story and hearing about your experience as a finance leader. And we've got a lot to talk about. So let's get started. Good. First, and as always, let's start with you and your career journey and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so... um I know a lot of people says that's an interesting story, but I do think it's a little interesting, the story, how I got here. I I don't have the traditional background that um, a financial leader in a CFO position would usually have. Um, So uh, I I actually was born and raised in Mexico, um, and uh, I was there um, until college. I went, well, I actually went to college in Mexico, and I picked architecture as my first degree. I have several degrees, Um, but I think it's important that I say that I was born and raised in a small, small town in Mexico with no real infrastructure, no architecture around, and so that really was the reason why I was interested in architecture and construction. So when I think about my background, a lot of what I picked has come because of my passion for building and um, and the business as a whole, but more so because of what you know where I come from. 
And so I picked architecture as my first degree. I went to Monterey, Mexico, um, and uh, I took a major on construction management. Um, a lot of my background has been in engineering in that sense. And so that's how I started in, in the world of construction. And my 15 plus years in the industry um, really start there. Um, and uh, I picked the career. Uh, I finished pretty early. I finished in three years rather than the typical five years. And so that gave me like two years to explore uh, the areas of the industry that I was interested in. And in those years, um, I started to work in construction more so than in design. And I started, you know, as a project engineer and roles that, again, are not typical to finance. But it gave me a very different perspective into what the world of construction is. And so in one of the roles, eventually, I uh, took an opportunity to work with an international company that uh, imagined they build uh, kind of like 7-Elevens, but it, it's another brand in, in across um, uh, America, uh, Latin America, Colombia, Brazil, uh, Mexico. Uh, and uh, in, in that role, um, I had the opportunity in the construction division, I had the opportunity to work in the investments area. And so I learned more so about the profitability of construction and how decisions were made to decide where we were going to build these thousands of, of uh, convenience stores and how we were going to subcontract those and why it would make sense to align risk in certain areas or new markets. And so that was the first time that I had access to see construction as a business rather than as 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 building the building or designing the building. And that was very exciting. I was pretty young in my career and it kind of switched a lot of my my thoughts on how I could I could grow in this in this industry. Um, not long after that I took a position as a as as a, a strategic cost manager for a project that was over the hundred millions of dollars, a very iconic project in Monterey, Mexico. And uh I uh I was part of that group that was working directly with not just the construction side, the general contractor side, but also with the developers and the financial group. They were looking at the performance and the clients and how the architect, very renowned architects were, you know, being directed uh, to some extent also by the financial decisions and how it was impacting uh, the performa and in many areas that, uh, you know, in architecture and construction manager, you don't necessarily see. And so I start creating a brand for myself as someone in the industry that knew a bit of both and obviously more so about construction, but that had a good understanding of what was needed in order for a project to succeed uh, from the business side. And so I start creating this brand for myself in the construction industry to a point that um, when I decided, okay, I'm going to start looking for opportunities outside uh, Mexico. Uh, it was crazy how how much uh, how many how how many companies out there were needing this liaison between construction and finance, and so that's really how I got into the very early steps into my career in finance. And uh, I came to the U.S. in a, a construction audit position for a, uh, a renowned uh, accounting firm here in the Midwest area, and then quickly a construction company. Uh, Year over a year offered me a position. This would be Clayco, and it was a role of cost engineering. The company was growing back then. Clayco was maybe 
were 150, 500 million by the time I left, uh, four and a half billion. But um, they need they needed this position that was between operations and finance that could kind of communicate and create uh, processes and understand, you know, that that aspect between these two groups that are that need to work close, but they they just have different backgrounds. And so um, I became this person who kind of had that, um, and I worked my way up. Um, I eventually went back to school. I got a master's in business. Then I got a master's in finance. Um, and obviously, I worked closely with all the executive group to, to work with new markets, um, strategy for profitability, uh, compliance, et cetera. So uh, that's how I, I I solidified my career in the financial world. And then, yeah, now today I am the CFO of Brinkman Constructors. We are a national uh, company here in the Midwest. We have offices in Denver, Phoenix, Richmond, um, St. Louis, Kansas City. So, you know, we're over a billion. So we 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 do a lot of industrial work, et cetera. And so it's really been uh, not your traditional path, but here I am. Yeah, that's a great story. And I, I hear more and more these days, CFOs coming from non-traditional backgrounds. But I, I do have to say that you're the first one I've ever interviewed that comes from an architecture background. But I can yeah. see how that would have helped you along the way. And secondly, you're the, um, the second CFO I've spoken to in the last few days that's talked about branding themselves and the importance that that played in their career and shaping where they wanted to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't think that, that any of us try to create a brand per se, like at, at no point I said my, I sat and said, okay, what, what is Samantha's brand? But I think that over the years I've been, I mean, just yesterday, I, you know, I was, I was in a lunch meeting and someone even said that you, you just have such a good brand and it, it keeps, you know, it keeps popping in my head that, yeah, you, you do build a brand, you do build recognition, um, based not just on your technical aspect, but how do you, um, you know, impact different roles and how do you interact with cross different? Because if you only focus on, on your group, um, or what you know, or what you feel, you know, um, you know, you're missing the opportunity to really, uh, connect with other groups and, 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 and see what's the value, the added value to those. And I think that's been my, my, something that I've done without even trying, but I created um, diversity groups. Um, uh, I've worked with a lot of boards that work in that in that area. And again, it comes from my background per se, maybe, but um, yeah, I've created a, a, a brand, I think of this, of this world between construction and finance that sometimes gets missed in translation. And you're a fairly new first-time CFO. Uh, I think you've held the role now since November of 2021, so just over a year. And uh, how are you finding it? How are you finding being a CFO? Well, I think, you know, looking back in my career, there's been this aspect of, there's been a consistent thing that it's been, I've been comfortable being uncomfortable. And, and I say that because I've always taken roles that maybe I wasn't, Fully prepared for the credentials. That's not the case today. Um, I went, you know, like I said, I want to make sure that everything I needed to to feel that I should have, um, I had it. But the point of the story is that um, I constantly put myself in that in those roles that that looking back, I was like, maybe I wasn't fully prepared for that. Like I, I've had the opportunity to implement, like very early in my career, for instance, um, I had the opportunity to implement. Um, this uh, technology division 
um, in, in one of the organizations that I worked and um, today is still running for more than four and a half billion. Um, and I look back and I was like, well, maybe I didn't have all those credentials, but you know, in the time of two years, I, I was able to work closely with a lot of IT folks, a lot of people who, who I learned, but you know, as long as, as you're able to, to have the leadership aspect, you know, you, you can, you can kind of build teams and build strategy around it. But so being uncomfortable with being comfortable with being uncomfortable, it's been kind of a key thing for me. Um, another thing is that I think that over the years, I have been able to define um, what what I feel are my strengths and what I feel are not my strengths or my weaknesses. And, and sometimes I think those are my weaknesses and other people may not even see it as such. But when you do that, and again, I, I guess I've done it naturally to some extent, and I guess I've been lucky by having that that kind of thought process, you do make sure to surround yourself of people who can, you know, help you to uh, overcome those. And in my case, I think one of the things that that I make sure is to build great teams, right? Um, understand that the leadership position has nothing to do with the role and more so with how do you strategize and the people that surround you. And so as a new CFO, you know, I, I made sure that um, moving into this organization into Brigman, I, I built um, I built the department. I built the people who who I trust, trust, and who I rely and and you know that that's been the case. Um, I also think, yeah, being a new CFO, I, I'm not sure how much this has to do with with the typical answers that you may get, but I I think I got promoted to the hardest job I ever had seven months before becoming a CFO. I became a mom, <laughs> and by doing that, I think I learned that uh, you know there's 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 one really hard job out there, which is becoming parent for the first time and not knowing what you're doing. So, hey, if I'm able to do that, um, everything else is, is, you know, you can you can figure it out. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, having kids definitely puts uh, things in perspective. Right. And how does the role of a CFO differ from your previous title, which was the Senior Director of Finance? Right. Um, so I was the senior director of finance, and and like I said, I grew in that role over my eight years at Clico. And uh, the main difference, obviously, is that I have a, a different set of responsibilities, and 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 with that, it comes the strategy and working with senior leadership to make sure that the vision of the company and the financial um, stability of the company is aligned. And uh, you know, as a senior director of finance, I would do a lot of the FBNA. I would do a lot of, um, and with teams, obviously, but I would do a lot of the working with um, with with operations um, to 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 translate that into our financial strategy. Whereas as a CFO, I work a lot um, cross functional, not just with operations, but you know, your your um, talent uh, people. Um, uh, Talent management. You talk a lot about um, uh, safety and how that impacts uh, your risk management. I'm also responsible here at Raymond for the technology division. So how do we um, how do we make sure that we have the right uh, technology for where we're going and for where we are and to mitigate risk? And so I think in many areas as a CFO, you're you're not just looking at you know the the financial aspect, the accounting aspect. You're looking at at the more encompassing uh, vision and how do you get there and you work with the CEO, president and other leadership to assure that those those results are there. 
and the strategy of growth, right? How do you make sure you grow in a different, in a way that is sustainable, that is uh, that is achievable, and that 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 is also uh, risk adverse. And since joining, how have you found integrating into Brinkman as part of senior management? I think that uh, I think that for me, we we spent a lot of time going back and forth before I made the move, and I think Brinkman per se, um, it's a great organization uh, that has great uh, leadership and. And when they were so so when I joined, they they were closing the year in the eight hundred millions. Uh, we're obviously moving into the billions. We're we're crossing um, the year way over a billion, um, and uh, obviously forecasting growth as well. And I think over the years they were preparing for what a CFO role could be for them. They didn't have a a role. Um, as established um, on the in the financial group, obviously they had vice president of finance and everything, but um, they've been preparing for that. And so I think it was the right time. I think that they understood that um, what the role could bring. And so for me, I'm a partner with the CEO and the president on a daily basis, um, not just with them, but also with the vice president of, a, of HR and operations and 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 vice president of operations. And you know, it's it's spending time aligning but i think what it's been on my advantage uh it's been that i know the industry i know ins and outs and so my curve different from many cfos has been less abrasive when it comes to understand how how we work and i've been able to be more hands-on right from the beginning so that's really it and in addition to being a mom and a cfo you're also a president and founder of your own consulting firm so talk to us about that consulting firm first and then secondly how do you juggle everything yeah so um i think that uh well i guess i'll answer the first question first um yeah so i'm the president and founder of of third entity it's a consulting firm that works with uh small businesses um small to medium businesses that um are looking for a financial strategy, growth strategy, technology strategy. And again, looking back in my career, I don't think I ever thought I was building up to this moment where I was going to have this 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 set of experiences that would help me to um, support organizations and align the vision um, for them. And uh, the way that I I'm able to to perform with them is I'm very selective. I'm very selective with the clients, just as they should be selective with with who they work with. I am equally selective with the clients. What are their their goals? What what are the 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 opportunities that they have? And also, you know, how open they are to the strategies that I know I'm going to be able to bring to the table. Table. So, really, that is the key when when you're having a firm like that. Where uh, again, I'm very selective of those clients. I'm very selective of the time that I invest with them and. Uh, making sure that that screening process allows me to to be very intentional uh, with them, and so uh, that's that's really it. How I'm able to 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 work with them, and to your quest of a juggling, I I don't I, I don't think I think it's a it, every day is is full of choices. Every day I make the choice that you know what is it going to be for today. Um, obviously, I plan. I'm a planner, um, but more so. Um, I have a good system. I got a, a, a good system uh, where, uh, you know, 
my husband, my husband's super helpful um, as a partner. And I say it's super helpful. He is a parent. And so being a mom, you need, you need a, a, a in my case, I, I need my spouse to be a hundred percent there and he is a hundred percent there. And as a professional, I'm very intentional with my time and the strategy and I'm very upfront. I remember even with Bringman, I was very upfront on, you know, this is what I bring to the table. This is how I can work with you guys. And, um, you know, looking for, for good partners in that sense, uh, it's, it's the most uh, critical part, um, when you are a, a leader, you know, making sure that you're, you're going to be able to align with the vision of the organization, be able to align uh, with your clients and you know with your priorities. So, great answer. So, talk to us about your time at Clayco. Uh, you were there for more than eight years. So, what kept you there for that long, and how did your role change during that time? Yeah, so I started at Clayco um, as a cost engineer. I was the only cost engineer, and it was. There was no role description. There was no onboarding. Um, the company, like I said, it was about maybe 450, 500 million. Um, and back in those days, I was able to say, to name every project manager and every person in finance and every, I mean, it was two people, right? And um, I was able to, 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 to just, you know, know everyone. And it was neat for me because uh, when you are in a position where there's not a role description, when there's not a script, you're able, even though you're not maybe at the top of your career, you're in the senior leadership, I was able somehow to capitalize on that. And anytime I saw an opportunity to kind of insert myself in areas that weren't necessarily, um, you know, the repetitive day-to-day things, I would just, you know, get on it. And like I said, early in my career, um, the implementation of one of the their technology um, platforms uh, for the construction and the finance side um, it was the operational uh, portfolio management system. I, I, you know, I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so what that did is that suddenly I went from not understand the ins and outs. I had to understand all the background on how operations would send data to finance and accounting and then backwards. And then uh, how does that play with integrations and how would that play with our accounts payables and how would that play with our billings and how would that play with, you know, the subcontract and legal and all that. And so um, being on that role was key because uh, it wasn't scripted. And I know a lot of people sometimes, you know, even today that I I, I, I have the opportunity to hire and um, build teams, you know, sometimes people want a role description and of course you should, you should, you should give that to, to people so they understand what is expected and, and how to go about it. But I always see as a huge opportunity when, you know, there are things that are not very uh, scripted and limited to the role, because those are the areas where, you know, you may be uncomfortable for a while, but then you grow. So I was a cost engineer and I did many things. I worked with operations closely to understand how, I mean, I, I had the background of, of, of construction management, but as a cost engineer, I worked directly with operations um, and Eventually moved as a cost manager, which had more to do with the financial side of of, of the passing operations to finance. And then I moved as a, uh, a, a director of finance, where it was more so the strategy, working with business unit leaders, executives, the president, the CEO, et cetera, and working with them on on the uh, on the forecasting, on the risk management, on the uh, FBNA on the compliance portion and so um, insurance risk and profit centers and so 
eventually I move as a senior director um, and I do a lot of leading the teams for FBMA, making sure that, you know, the, the goals are clear, sales goals, uh, FBMA goals, uh, all those things, and translating it to people who are non-financial, right, for the most, and that are business unit leaders, operational leaders. And so by doing that, and making sure I went back to school, I got all the credentials. And, and that was kind of a key because I went back to school during those years. It was really intentional during my time at school. I didn't just want to take a class. Man, I created great synergies that today I, I still use with um, people within the industry that today now they're also executives. But back then they were also going back to school. I was very intentional with that. I was very intentional on my uh, um, uh, uh, financial classes, capital assessment classes and my, you know, you name it. I, I just didn't go and sat. I, I was a professional making a very good amount of money, making, uh, having a really good title. Um, and so I wasn't just sitting there just to get a degree. I was trying to get something out of it. So back to being, you know, understand your, your, the areas that you feel knowledgeable in the areas that you don't, I was like, okay, why do I don't feel knowledgeable in this area? Well, maybe because I don't have this credential. So, you know, I checked that box, but I checked it very intentional. And, you know, I would go back to to my day-to-day work and and apply it. And then I built great relationships with professors that obviously today are my colleagues. And even they were my colleagues, but, you know, I was very intentional with creating those relationships. So, um, Clayco was a good a good place for me to stay over the years. I saw the growth where they went from from that size to be more than four and a half billion yeah. by the time I left. Um, and so building teams, I saw what what was needed to build a, a a team in that area, and and you know that that'll help for where I am today. Yeah, sounds like it was a great place to learn over those years. Yeah. So talk to us about being a finance leader in the construction industry. I mean, you guys set these huge budgets and then you have to stick with them and you don't know what you don't know. So how do you manage how do you manage all the risk associated with that? Right. And you know, I like to tell people that I don't and this is I guess where 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 I've learned different approaches and I said, yes, of course we're doing a budget, but I look at more as, as planning profit. Uh, if when you plan profit, when you tell people who are not on a day to day looking at your budget and your income statements or, you know, that they're not on the day to day, you know, key, key financial metrics, when you tell them, OK, we're going to we're going to go through our, our season of, of planning uh, profit, the, the profit planning for for your group, for your business unit, um, that makes a switch into uh, people who are non-financial. And say, okay, I get it. I'm not gonna. I'm not here to work with you to set up a budget. I'm here to to set up, um, you know, a a a tool that will help me to go about it during the next quarter, or the the next year, during the next eighteen months, right? And so that's been one of the things, for instance, that I approach differently. And when it comes to the key financial, is of course understanding how when you work directly with the people and not just make all the assumptions about, you know. Um, how we performed last year, but no, you meet with the people who are out there uh, working on on getting these 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 plans. You're able to understand their thought process, and so that helps you to understand how what are the risks on backlog, what are the risks on forecasting future working place uh, for the following years, 
Um, obviously, what are the assumptions on cash flow? What are the assumptions on gross profit per market? And are we tapping into a new market? Are we tapping into a area that we feel comfortable with the historical data on that? What's been the historical performance in different regions? And, and so you start kind of be able to have more insights into it than just going about the budget. So allows you to understand the thought process, allows you to 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 really build teams within your group that can work directly with operation to give them insights. And so then you have to be on top of it. I mean, I like to tell people in construction, you don't look into at the commercial level, you don't look into the current year only. You had to look at the next three years or so because you know what you're contracting today, most likely it will will go over 12 months to 18 months. And so you have to be constantly be looking at that and understanding what are the macroeconomics around, what are the industries that are being affected for whatever case. And, you know, what What are you depending on? What are your backlog? What is your current work in place? Uh, uh, your, work re- your current work in place that you're forecasting for certain industries, for certain areas uh, and the clients. So you get very intimate when it comes to understand the ins and outs of, of that budget and not just looking at it from an SGNA perspective, uh, which again, that's been my forte um, by being in the industry and the, in, in the other side. And let's talk about your MBA. So I think a lot of people out there might struggle with, should I get one? Shouldn't I? So for, how, how do you feel that that's helped your career? And secondly, how did you, how did you make sure that you got the most out of it while you were there? Yeah. Um, so anyone who knows me and is, is, you know, any, any close to me knows that I, I'm a fan for education. I tell people, I know that there's a lot of, well, education is, you know, it's, it's MBAs are not necessary. And I'm not saying they're necessary from a, either you have it, that makes you a leader I, at all. But I do think that anything that you can learn, um, you have to be able to figure out how you're going to apply that. And an MBA, if you choose correctly the, the program um, that works for you, if you choose to be intentional when you go to class. Um, like something I will say, I don't recommend a lot of people to go to an MBA right after they graduate school. I know that sometimes that's an opportunity for many, but to the, to me, looking back, um, it made a lot more sense to wait till I was, you know, 10, 10 15, you know, years into your career, then it makes sense. It makes sense to go into it and, 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 and get good at something, specifically if you're going outside the industry that you went for, in my case. Um, so the MBA for me, uh, generated a lot of, uh, uh, relationships, but also, you know, again, anything that I felt that I wanted to understand better, not just, uh, self-taught, I, I went ahead and I sat after class and I said, Hey, I'm having this issue. How would you handle this? And can you explain this? Can you dumb down this for me? Um, and, you know, maybe it wasn't even part of the class. Um, and, I created great relationships today. I've hired people who I I I, I went to school with. I've also um, used them as as vendors, suppliers, consultants. I mean, it's it 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 just really created for me a a a a network of of people and tools that I could have access to. Um, also, obviously, I'm not from the U.S., and so if there was any um, aspect of education that um, technical education that I needed to kind of like strengthen. I I was very intentional during that time to make sure that if there were any gaps into the business side internationally um, from what I learned previously to now, I was obviously on the look for that. 
um, when I got my master's in finance, it was similar, right? I was I was trying to to make sure that if there was anything that technically that from a technical aspect, I I the regulation like there was a lot of classes for compliance, et cetera. That obviously I I I paid attention in a different way. Um, for me, education, like I said, I come from a very very small town in Mexico, where if you don't have education, it it really closes a lot of the doors. The, the reason why I think where I am where today, it's because you know, I, I've always been into getting education and, and use it. I don't think the grades is necessarily for any young uh, uh, person out there that, you know, is considering. It's not so much the grades. It's, it's, it's what you what you get out of it. Yeah. And for me, you know, it's, it's that. Yeah, it's too bad sometimes that we were so focused on grades and less focused on the meaning and the importance of the education we're getting. Right, right. Um, I'm also uh, an advocate for lifelong learning. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, And you've been a part of different female leadership groups and networks all throughout your career. So talk to us about why these are important to you. Yeah, Um, it sounds a little bit cliche, but the word representation, it's so important. I don't think I grew up, um, I know I didn't grow up seeing females in the industry um, as executives or vice president, much less CFOs. I mean, it's not it's not uncommon for me to go to a uh, conference or be a speaker or meet with a supplier or a vendor, and it's always like, oh, you know, even today, which is which is crazy for me. Um, and I see that because today I make sure uh, everywhere I go, where I have the opportunity, whether it's a STEM event or it's a um, a board or anything, you know, I, I look around and I see who, you know, who is in this, in, in this group. Um, what does that mean? And and it's not about just having people or having females in position just because it's, it's really because um, representation matters. It, it creates the channels for having this, the infrastructure that allows uh, uh, working parents, uh, uh, single moms, um, uh, just females or just anyone that it's different to whom we are usually expected uh, expecting in certain roles. Um, uh, so uh, representation matters for me. It I I wish I would have grew I would have grown up seeing uh, people who could have a family and also be successful. Um, and, and I say that from a female perspective. I I, I don't think I up to this day. Obviously, you see the the one or two or three cases outside that are famous and the Sheryl Sandberg and stuff like that. But like on a daily basis, I would like to see more of that. Um, and so in, in building that community, being intentional, I'm part of different groups and I make sure to invest time there um, because it just, it just, I think it matters. And from a business perspective, I mean, sorry, uh, from a business perspective, let's, let's be clear at the fact that, you know, we're in, in construction, we're in a shortage for, for, uh, resources and labor and women are about nine percent of our construction labor so if you think about it we're in a cons- in a in a constant shortage of of labor we're not tapping to that group of females that could be part also of this industry so from from that aspect even from a business perspective it just it, it makes sense and what's one piece of advice that you'd offer other finance leaders or aspiring finance leaders um I think is well, if you don't come necessarily from the typical background, don't let that be the reason why you don't go into it. Um, I think that connecting the dots eventually uh, will make sense. And connecting the dots of what, what you've done, what you bring to the table in any way, whether are you're um, 
your um, your your strategy um, skills, whether are your um, uh, you know operational skills, uh, maybe your risk management skills. How could those be translated into the finance world? Um, work or try to be surrounded by people who are in that in that in that world and and um, you know try to understand what are the areas that you would like to tap in. But in general, I think my advice is, um, you know, understand that uh, finance is not, you know, balance sheets and income statement. Um, it's it's understanding the strategy of the vision of the company, the operational side and how this role and how the roles within uh, finance are going to help to, to model those. Uh, how do you help to... Uh, forecast growth. How do you help to manage risk? And and when you understand that, then the numbers make sense for everyone, not just for a particular group. So my approach is always trying to make it um, as simple as possible for everyone. And last question. So as a finance professional, what are one or two of the biggest challenges that you and your team are facing co- going into 2023? <sighs> well, 2023. I think obviously the the rates, um, higher rates, and how that's going to impact uh, the world and the business. And um, for us, is understanding what are the risks that we have with um, our our synergies, our clients, our uh, pricing, our bidding, our estimates, and understand how that is being handled and how how what how risk adverse we are, and and you know what how are we preparing. For any scenario, and I like to think that you know any financial person out there don't always look at the best case, but we're looking at the most likely case and, and how does that come about from from different aspects. So obviously rates and how that affects our clients and how it affects our suppliers and uh, just just the world and as a whole um, shortage of, of of labor um, in the construction industry is something that we're constantly looking at and. You know, how are we part of the solution more so than just, uh, you know, being part of the, the 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 group that is being affected by it? So what do you do, how we do and, and how we impact that group? Um, but also, how do we retain our talent? How do we make sure that um, the people that we have who ultimately are the best asset that we have are are being um, part of, of the company uh, success, growth and moving forward? So, um Technical aspects for sure as a team is to make sure that we are, you know, risk adverse and how are you managing? What are the things that, you know, if on an economy turn, uh, how would we handle that? Um, and so, you know, th- those are really it. Um, obviously, supply demand for the construction industry has been a big challenge over the last few years, not different than many industries. And so how do we make sure that um, we plan for all kinds of scenarios and that we are constantly looking at those? Uh, 2024 is the biggest challenge rather than 2023 um 2023 for many construction companies it's baked and so you've got to be looking at of course what can change in 2023 but how do you go about 2024 and moving forward yeah that's interesting um no shortage of challenges these days and uh yeah i'm sure 2024 <laughs> Fortunately, we can't predict what's coming down the chute. Right. So, so, <laughs> so making sure that, that organizations are ready for 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 that. So for anything. <laughs> yeah, you name it. And, um, the pandemic, I think, it showed that we we know nothing about what what can happen in the future. And and truthfully, the pandemic ended up being uh, for many construction 
commercial companies, um, um, general contractors that do commercial work, uh, that do industrial work, and end up being one of the, you know, catalysts for uh, new markets and growth. So yeah. a lot of distribution centers, a lot of like industrial work, a lot of, um, you know, uh, there just was a lot of com- like e-commerce work that um, a lot of companies in the construction world, I mean, they were, we did not stop working. So yeah. Construction company has seen huge growth the last couple of years. I, I dabble a little bit in it, in it, and it's impossible to find contractors, people willing to do the work. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, which makes it difficult for you, but also lots of opportunities. And uh, I guess uh, even in bad times, it's been good for the construction industry. Yeah, it's been. It's, yes, but you want to make sure that you know. Um, that the people that work out on the field, that um, that that the culture and the vision organizations are not consumed by that um, that growth, right? That came out of nowhere to some extent. Yeah. So it's 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 a juggle between making sure that the organization as a whole is financially stable, is operationally um, uh, uh, performing, and also um, that the cultural aspect and it's not being missed by by all of these external factors. So it's just a, a day-to-day challenge. So um, working with everyone in the organization to make sure that that there no focus is just on, on a number, but more so on the goals of the company as a whole. Sam, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, love your program, your show, and it's just exciting to be part of. of thank you. This. Yeah, and I really enjoyed speaking with you and, and hearing all of the insights that you've gleaned along the way and I wish you all the best and Brinkman all the best and to all of our listeners please tune in next week and until then take care if you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings it's time to talk with Personiv their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services See what Personev can do for you by visiting personev.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personev. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personev.com. Thanks for listening.